You're listening to Lies and Half-Truths, tales written and performed by A.P. Weber. This is A.P. Weber. It's good to have you with me. On this episode, The Seed of the Fay Tree, Chapter 6. If you haven't listened to Chapters 1 through 5, or all seven parts of Cascade Rock, go back and listen to those episodes before continuing. Or don't. No one's putting a gun to your head, right? Right? Let's hope not. In the last episode, Darl and Ven encountered a masked stranger in the woods who summoned a vicious, skull-faced monster to menace them. But on the plus side, the Hafkin brothers did find the great fey tree they were looking for, along with a temple nestled inside it. Just as Ven went into a trance to commune with the goddess, Darl was assailed by a band of mounted warriors. Can Darl defend his incapacitated brother from these attackers? Before we get started, I'd like to encourage you to go to apweber.com, where you'll find more of this kind of storytelling. That's A-P-W-E-B-E-R dot com. And now, Lies and Half-Truths presents The Seed of the Fay Tree, Chapter 6. Ben came to with purpose, struggling to his feet on shaky legs. He turned to the wooden stairs and would have marched up them but for the sight of his brother. The big halfkin hunched, his chest heaving, breath forced out in growling exhales. He held Ven's sword in one hand and a spear in the other, both stained red. In fact, his face and chest and torn tunic were all speckled and splotched with crimson. He set his eyes on Ven, and for a moment the smaller halfkin saw the feral gaze of a frenzied animal. Darl, he said, and his brother quivered like he were slapped. Darl looked around as if confused. Oh, he said finally. You're awake. Good. What happened here, Darl? Are you hurt? Darl patted his chest, held his arms out to examine them, turning his hands and the blade. I don't think so, he said. Not badly, anyway. Are those giant mole rats? Darl turned to the heap of bloodied flesh. I don't know. Is that what they are? Ven would have gotten closer to the bizarre creature, but his boot struck one of the smaller corpses at his feet. He stared down at it. Nasty little goblins, Darl said, disgust evident in his voice. They smell bad, too. Ven shook his head slowly. Not goblins, he said in a distant voice. Elves, like me. Darl made a dismissive sound with the back of his throat. <sighs> What's the difference? Ven gave him a wounded look. Nothing, I guess, he said, then cast his gaze back down as if eulogizing the corpse. They are the ones she showed me, the servants who forsook her. The war between the gods sprang from greed, lust for the dragon's hoard hidden in the vault. She saw how it consumed her servants, made them violent and petty. 
But when she tried to withdraw from the conflict, they withdrew from her. Who? Darl said after a silent pause. Who's she? The goddess. Fern, the one up in the tree. Oh, that makes sense, Darl said. And then after another pause, You spoke to her? They betrayed her, stole her flute, the instrument of her power, that, what do you call it, Syrinx. They took control of the demon that rose from her rage and continued to prosecute their war. Right, that's what that little twerp up there was all about, Darl said glancing up at the mouth of the well they were in. She's brittle now, Fen said, and stepped over to the staircase. Hollow, dying, there is no one left to help her germinate her seed. Darl cocked a questioning brow at this, then followed after his brother. Climbing the steps, Fen went on, speaking in reverential tones. There was a ritual. They would take the seed to Kaldar's flow and dip it in. In their absence, we must do the ritual. Darl made a disgusted sound. Dip it in the gods what? I don't know. We'll have to descend into those ancient roots, the lava caves. I'm not going down there. What if there are more of those naked mole rats? Halting momentarily, Ven swung around. I'll do it alone then. I'm all that's left of her people. Now wait a minute, Ven, Darl said, but his brother was already ascending the stairs again. Hold up. Let's talk about this. You're not thinking straight. I've never had more clarity in my life. Right. You're going to go risk your life for what? Nothing. That doesn't sound like clarity to me. There's no treasure down there. What do you get out of it? That's what got us into this mess in the first place, Darl. That's why she has no followers. Greed. Us? What are you talking about? We weren't there. We have nothing to do with this. They reached the temple pavilion. Darl took hold of Ven's shoulder, spinning him. We're not fey, Ven. We're not elves or goblins or whatever. We're halfkin, and halfkin gotta live in the world of men. We need gold, money, unless we plan on living under this tree for the rest of our lives, like those savages. Ven scratched his chin, gazing around him, as if considering this. Wait, Darl said. Are you planning on living out here for the rest of your life? Ven's eyes finally fell on the bridge leading to the wild forest beyond. We both may have to, if we can't figure out how to deal with that demon. His name's Kruja, by the way. Right, Darl said. There's a problem we need to solve. Let's start thinking about that. Now Ven's eyes were on the wicker form of Fairn. He crossed over to stand before her, supplicating hands cupping the seed. Maybe she will help us, Darl cursed. Then he cursed again. The third time he cursed, it sounded more like a cheer. You think that would work? We help her, she helps us? Ven rolled his eyes. That's not why we're doing it. That's not why you're doing it. We're halfkin, Darl. It's the right thing to do. You bet it is, Darl said. Now let's get on with it. Ven regarded the fist-sized acorn seed momentarily before spreading his fingers between Fern's wicker ones, intertwining his with hers. His fingers slid under the big nut and cupping it, he lifted it up out of Fern's hands. 
The leaves of her hair rustled at the very moment the seed passed into his possession, and then trembled. A second later, a thunderclap of cracking wood exploded from the forest behind them, followed by Kruja's terrible howl. They saw the demon now, just across the log bridge, reaching his neck over the gap, straining as if against a leash or harness, and snapping his wretched bony jaws. Darl leaped back, startled. He cursed again. He's not happy, he said. Not sure if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Then bowed his head, not looking behind him at the horror so bent on his destruction. I believe in Fern, he said. I have faith that she will protect us. Oh, for... Let's just get on with it. At the mouth of the cave, Darl removed his torn tunic and took a moment to wipe down the short sword's blade. Ben held his bow across his thigh, a fist full of arrows in his right hand. They both peered into the gloom. The darkness broke here and there, split by shafts of sunlight casting illumination upon leafy ferns. There are plants growing in there, Darl said. Yeah, said Ven. That's weird. Yeah. It's warm in there, too. There's a lava flow somewhere in the depths. Strange to think going down into a cave full of skinny, murderous savages is somehow the safer of the two options we have to choose from. Let's just move quietly. Stick to the shadows. Darl smirked down at his brother. Once again, no need for a lamp. Ben's initial theory was that the cave plants grew only under the openings, providing sunlight from above. But as soon as his eyes adjusted, he found himself wading through a robust growth of ferns and leafy foliage in the dark. He knelt down to touch the soil and found it as warm as if it had been baking in the hot sun. A snap sounded off to his right, just before his brother emitted a short yelp. Quiet, Ven whispered. Sorry. Darl whispered back. Something got my foot. Ven glided silently to his brother's side and felt around for his calf. He withdrew his hands with a start when he felt teeth. All was silent but the pounding in his chest. Nothing moved. What is it? Darl said, bending and patting around his own leg. Ven reached out again to touch the thing. Its teeth were hard but its snout felt pliable and boneless. Are you hurt? he said. Nah, my boot caught the brunt of it. Huh. It has leaves. I think it's a carnivorous plant. Let's see if we can pry it off you before it starts to dissolve your boot. Wonderful, Darl said with a grunt. Now we have that to deal with. All right, I'm free. Hey, I got an idea. Maybe we don't stick to the shadows. Or we could light a lamp, Ven said, with just a hint of self-satisfaction. Let's not get carried away. The passage sloped down quite sharply at points, and the deeper they delved, fewer shafts of sunlight reached the cavern floor. In the dwindling light, they tried to keep to the sloping walls where they could run their hands along the textured stone. Every now and then, the wall would give way to yawning blackness, offshoots where the ancient root had once branched. 
They passed the first one, and an eerie melody in a ciphered tongue echoed after them, followed by the low boom and report of a drum. So too, from a passage on the opposite side, issued this uncanny song as they passed. They're tracking us, Ben said. More good news, said Darl. Then, after some time, they came to what should have been a pitch-dark bend. Instead, a soft light glowed before them. Here, flowering bulbs, multifaceted in color, filled the chamber with rich illumination. The pair exchanged glances before Darl shrugged. Well, they're gods, aren't they? He said, and proceeded. Now, they could clearly see the narrow offshoots. The songs they emitted sounded nearer. Be ready, Darl said, holding the little sword out in front of him. Then nodded and knocked an arrow. They crept lightly through the bright forest, sidestepping increasingly larger snap-toothed bulbs. At every move, an attack seemed imminent. They arrived at the terminus of the root passage where a massive stone door, cracked and crumbling, introduced the exit. Through the broken gaps, they could see a red glow. Still, no attack came. I think we found our lava flow, Darl said. Ven cleared some vines from the stone doorframe, ran his fingers over the runic grooves inscribed there. Dwarves, he said. Can you read it? He shook his head. Well, let's go in, I guess. No sense standing around waiting for those little twerps to attack us. On the other side of the threshold, the brothers took in their new surroundings. A red gash divided an ancient, subterranean city, casting its fiery glow upon the foundations of its stone-hewn architecture. Wavering in the rising heat, roofs and towers loomed in shadow. The silence of the dead lay over the whole scene. They stood at a height atop a flight of rock steps, looking down in wordless wonder. After a moment, Darl spoke. Now we're talking, he said, and started trotting down the stairs. Dwarves mean treasure, right? Hold on, Ben said. His voice returned in an unsettling echo, even as Darl's steps did the same. He set off after his brother. I just want to have a look around, Darl said over his shoulder. See what we find. The city was laid out, not in a grid, but with a sort of geometric precision. It was as if the builders followed the contours of stones but shaped them into straight lines and smooth curves. Navigating through the city wasn't hard as main thoroughfares bisected the streets that ran parallel to the Red River. These larger passages provided a view of and led directly to the lava flow below. They passed dark doors, empty arches, and parks overgrown with those illuminating plants. You got that lamp? Darl said, ducking to peer into the pitch interior of a stately-looking building. Can we focus on getting our task done first? Ben said. Darl scowled with distaste. You don't need me for that. Ven regarded his brother momentarily, then shrugged and turned to go. Leave the lamp, though, Darl said. It's my lamp, 
then shot back with just a hint of petulance. Come on! All my effects were in the cart! Ven groaned. Fine. Down the ruined stone corridors, Ven continued on alone with the bright red river before him as his guide. He now held the great acorn against his chest like an infant. The air grew ever hotter as he descended farther into the city. In a little while, he arrived at the riverfront, where a promenade stretched away in both directions and on either side of the fissure before him. The imagined shapes of stout, bearded men bustling about presented itself naturally to the setting. This would have been the hub where the metalwork took place. He knew, even before he found it, that there would be a forge here. Indeed, there were many forges. Small outcroppings, like gear teeth, over the fiery flow. Ancient tools still stood upright on their racks and lay reverently across the workbench. The oven was dark, empty, its blast doors hanging on ancient hinges. He studied the mechanisms nearby and realized that they would trough lava into the forge from the river flow just below them. Ven wasn't quite sure how to get it to work, or if it would work even if he could figure it out. He wiped sweat from his brow as he studied the seed, holding it out in his palm. He walked to the edge of the platform and peered down at the red liquid. He could dip the seed from here, but for the heat, it would scorch his skin if he reached down toward it. He went to the workbench to examine the tools. Perfect, he thought, and grabbed a pair of long metal tongs. They were warm in his slippery hands. He placed the seed on the stone floor, and stepping back the tongs' length, he grasped it in the metal pincers. He held it out over the lava flow, took a deep, hot breath, and was about to plunge it in when he heard the pounding of boots echoing toward him from the thoroughfare. Ven! Darl bellowed. We gotta go! Ven looked up in the direction of his brother's voice to see him charging down the street before a flood of shadowy figures. His brother arrived, panting and bent over. Thick gold and silver chains hung from his neck, and a jewel-encrusted crown sat crooked on his head. When he straightened up, he hefted a greatsword onto his shoulder, held in ring-laden fingers. Found some stuff, he said, panting. Ven ignored him and kept his eye on the shadowy silhouettes that now crowded into the promenade behind Darl. Darl looked over his shoulder. We should get out of here. That little twerp with the flute brought all his friends with him. One moment, Ben said, and dipped the acorn into the fiery flow of lava. The crowd moved closer, hemming them in. Great, Darl groaned. Now we're going to have to cut our way out of here. He took a step forward and held the great sword at guard. The now familiar shape of the masked stranger emerged from the cluster of bodies. He stood between the brothers and the shadowy mob, lifted his hands, and began to speak in his arcane tongue. He gestured at Ven and Darl as he spoke sharp words, and the mob tightened its ring around them. Could use your help here, Ven, Darl said. Not sure I can take them 
all. One moment, Ben muttered. The crowd tightened, closing in. Come on, Darl shouted. Put that thing down and get your bow out. The crowd tightened again. Here we go, Darl said, his voice now level on the precipice of violence. The shadows stopped. The masked one's voice trailed off into a silent beat, then resumed, but changed in quality. His words were hurried, pleading. The others stood mute and inactive. What is... Darl began to say as Ven appeared at his side. He held the seed in the grip of the tongs. Its shell had burned away, leaving the smooth, naked fruit exposed. It looked translucent and soft. White light pulsed within it. Darl cursed. Ven reached out and took the bare seed in his hand. It's warm, he said, but not hot. The seed's light revealed the slender faces of the forest folk, their bewildered expressions. Eyes that had seemed hollow before were now filled with sorrow and wonder, all save for the eyes of the masked one. His mouth contorted itself into a cruel sneer, and his eyes gleamed with hate. Now they see what they've lost, Ven said, his voice hushed with reverence. Now they remember. He stepped toward the crowd, and the wall of bodies gave way before him. Ven passed through, and then turned around. I'm giving it back to Fern, he said, and set off up the street. One or two shadowy figures followed after him in silent awe. Then three or four more. Soon all the figures trailed behind Ven. A cape formed of shadow cast improbably long by the seed's soft glow. Now Darl stood alone with the stranger. Hate shone from the masked one's bared teeth. Darl smiled grimly back at him, greatsword raised. Think I've had about enough of your music, he said. The masked one slid backward just as Darl's blade sliced the air, rending shadow and nothing more. Darl swiveled around in search of the figure. His enemy had virtually vanished. Darl cursed and set off after his brother at a trot. Just as he passed Ven's shadowy tail, a cry of pure malice rose up from the darkness behind, a single voice filled with rage and the promise of vengeance. At this sound, the brothers knew the Masked One's fury would not be sated until the trespassers were dead. Thanks for listening to Lies and Half-Truths. This episode was written and performed by A.P. Weber and produced by Meg Weber. Our theme was provided by Josiah Martins. Original music by Weep Bar. Music help from the incomparable Mackenzie Stubbard. Please consider liking, sharing, or reviewing this podcast wherever you listen to it. You'll find more stories like this one at apweber.com. In any case, please join us again next time for more lies and half-truths. Thank you.